So as previously contemplated for the pragmatic theory of language, when we're dealing with non-existential words, the meaning of words are dependent on their use and their usefulness to that use. This does not make all words arbitrary and random creations. A language or word game is a fabric of intertwined words, a social con construct, as is the present popular phrase, that must at some point, even if only to periphery, periphery have some contact with factual sense experience or empirical observation. But language is not completely reducible to sense experience or empirical observation as we contemplated in prior podcasts. At some point we start with existential meaning or words whose meaning are I exist to give the foundation or the will to power for reason to use logic and to create language in theory for survival and for our will to power on reality. Language is latent with such existential theory that often decides what facts we experience, observe, and use. Use Such attributes are true of all language, even our technological society's beloved scientific language. Quotation mark, whether you can observe, observe a thing or not depends on the theory which you use. It is the theory which decides what can be observed. Close quotation mark by Albert Einstein. Forgetting to anchor language to both ends, to fact and to existential theory, makes uh, the language word game lose its pragmatic meaning to solve problems. All problems, but the pragmatic use as powers and then in itself. In fact, in many ways in law, politics, ethics, and in religion, language becomes more powerful as it becomes more pragmatically meaningless for anything but a will to powers and then in itself. And it becomes more useful only as a means for power with no other connection to sense experience other than other will, words, other words also being used for a will to power. All words, all pragmatic words have to be connected to sense experience at one end and theory at the other end, but that sense experience in cases where the words are just being used as end in themselves for power as an end in itself, that sense experience periphery could just be other words. Essentially, power as an end in itself is its own pragmatic usefulness. You see this all the time in politics, but also in law and in much of liberal arts academia, academia in which words are used just to get political office, legal results, or to get tenure at a school. Both the tragedy and comedy of such reality are readily apparent everywhere around us that the modern world constantly arguing about social constructs as if they can be randomly and arbitrarily changed without concern for facts or pragmatics. You cannot make arbitrary and random, random changes to meaningful words unless their usefulness to the word game has changed. One can only make random and arbitrary changes to verbiage generated for aesthetic reasons, since, there are, since their only purpose is aesthetics, the beauty of the mind listening or reading itself talk. talk. In these aesthetic situations, it does not really matter what is said, since the verbiage is meaningless in terms of a connection to experience, except for its connection to other words being used for aesthetic reasons and thus are not useful for anything except as verbiage and as for aesthetics to be used if any, for anything about, about, 
beyond aesthetics to be used solely as a means for power as an end in itself. For non-scientific word games, the meaning of non-existential words as being their usefulness allows for the creation of sets of meanings whose quantity and whose set members increase as necessary for academia to justify their daily generating of, of libraries of verbiage. There are meanings such as nominal, legal, predictive, pragmatic, normative, descriptive, epistematic, interpretive, uh, deontological, consequential, and much more that I cannot remember for the moment, uh, such as oh, hermeneutical is one of them, and uh, much more that I, I cannot do not want to spend time uh, trying to remember or looking up. It is at this point that philosophy of language and analytic philosophy in particular finds its meaning in life. Philosophy is a battle against the bewitchment of our intelligence by means of language. Ludwig Wittgenstein. As we discussed in prior podcasts, the meaning of existential words are simply the fact that I exist. I want more to ex than existing, and I want the power to exist and control my surroundings. Uh, these words cannot be simply rationally discussed. Uh, they always wind up in contradictions, so we have to go beyond logic to discuss them. But once the will to power creates ration and rash reason and starts rationally discussing words and rationally creating word games, then the meaning of these pragmatic words become their usefulness. And in many non-scientific situations, the usefulness is, is simply uh, more power. Power is an end in itself. In dealing with these various uses, there's almost no limit to what meanings can be created. Because unlike science, they're not tied to predictability. The uh, in, intended result cannot falsify the uh, usefulness of the words. As contemplated in the Philosophy of Science podcast, Except for the pragmatic, predictive meanings of the words of science, no non-scientific word games will have a useful meaning for the word true or truth that can be falsified. So it really does not matter pragmatically whether any of these non-scientific meanings have any contact with sense experience other than with their, their contact with other words. Uh, as stated by Lewis Carroll in book Through the Looking Glass, Quotation mark, when I use a word, Humpy Dumpty said in rather scornful tone, it means just what I choose it to mean, neither more nor less. The only limitation on the usefulness of words whose only meaning is their aesthetic value or their will to power use for more power is the usefulness to which the words are being put by the speaker, their usefulness to the speaker to achieve more power. Always remember, if the same word has different meanings, it will have different uses. I'm sorry. Always remember, if the same word has different uses, it's being used differently or has different usefulness in different word games, then it has different meanings. For example, the word wave, W-A-V-E, has multiple different meanings varying from use at the beach to use in quantum physics. At the beach, it refers to disturbances in the water that you can feel and experience and, and see. In quantum physics and even relativity physics, wave refers to just a collection of, of numbers, of mathematical prob probabilities. There are 
Well, according to present theories, there is no ether. There is no actual wave in the way that we experience a wave at the beach. Uh, it's a word used to express a set of numbers or probabilities. And also remember the other side of the coin of the nature of uh, meanings. If different words have the same use or the same usefulness, they will have the same meaning. As Shakespeare said, a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. You can uh, use whatever words you want to describe uh, or to refer to the rose. The meaning stays the same, though the spelling of the words and the uh, words you experience are different. This is why the process is often called word games. This concept, however, does not mean that the same word used in word, one word game can be moved to a different word game and retain its meaning by assumption. It retains its meaning if it retains its use and usefulness. Also, words cannot change meaning within their usefulness. So, for example, one cannot take the words of a descriptive word game, supposedly stating what is, then to state an interpret interpretative conclusion stating the relationship between what is, using the same words by assuming they will retain the same meaning. This is a uh, con and trick used by academics all the time to talk about different things, using the same words, pretending that the meanings are staying the same, and just pretending that they're actually reaching actual conclusions, whereas really they're just playing with words and using them for the aesthetic value in order to achieve tenure or to publish something so it looks good. It really has no useful purpose beyond the aesthetic value because they're using the same words with different meanings, though they don't admit to it, or they're using different words with the same meaning and pretending the words mean different things. I will contemplate examples of this con being played in the next episode. As you can infer already, much of the word games being played in popular culture and even in academia are arbitrary creations and often overlap in practice for purely aesthetic reasons, because they sound good. For words or word games with no predictive value, as scientific words have, aesthetic value is as good a value as any other. Nothing is more aesthetically pleasing to the rational mind than listening to itself talk or reading its words. This is true of even the simplest of descriptive meanings. As any reasonably experienced investigator will tell you, if you ask 100 people to describe the same event, you will get a hundred different descriptions because each person's interpretation of the event affects what they would describe and what they see in the first place. This is one of the reasons that led the philosopher Willard Van Quine to describe knowledge as a quotation mark, man-made fabric which impinges on experience only along the edges, close quotation mark. As we contemplated in the ethics podcast, however, there are at least two relevant word games that are logically independent and must not be allowed to overlap in meaning, even for aesthetic reasons, if you're, if you're going to have a logical contemplation on anything. And that is uh, statements of is and statements of ought. As I contemplated in the Ethics and Morality podcast, the nature of this logical reality is known by names such as is ought, open question, Hume's law, or Hume's guillotine, named after the philosopher David Hume, who described it for modern philosophy. I will try to give real-life examples of deceptive word-changing word games in action in the next episode 
that are in addition to those given in the Ethics Morality Podcast, would Hume's is our problem.